Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom Yashinsky, and Paul Navinsky. Now let's join the guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association Podcast. This is Tom Swiddle, past president of the WFCA and head football coach at Wauwatosa East. I am joined tonight with my co-hosts. Tom Yashinsky, head coach at Onalaska and WFCA region rep, and Paul Navinsky, former coach at Mosini and WFCA Hall of Fame member. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great, Tom, you know. Uh, very excited. I had a hard time sleeping because I loved the first episode. I got a lot of feedback from coaches. Um, uh, you know, just kind of interesting things, a lot of topics flying out there. And the one we're talking about today, I think was on everybody's mind. So I'm really excited to discuss this and begin the journey of trying to communicate and get people involved in the Wisconsin Football Coach Association and in football in general in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm doing well as well. Uh, it, it was nice. I went to the Wisconsin Dells for a football clinic this weekend and it's good to get back into the clinic season here, and it's going to be seeing a lot of guys out on the road. Uh, so it's exciting that that uh, the season is is the off season, anyways, is getting into full swing with all of that types of stuff too. Well, great, Tom. You spoke at that, correct? I did. I did. It was, and they have they have one heck of a facility. Um, that's going to turn into a really good clinic here over the years, especially in the center of the state where it's really accessible for people. It's going to be a good thing. Yeah, that's cool. If you haven't been there, I went and watched um, Darlington and Mondovi uh, play football. I'm, you know, I don't coach anymore, so take a road trip. Actually, Travis Wilson was there too. What a facility! Is it, Tom, is it true you did your uh, uh, um, part of the the clinic on a water ride? No, no, I did not. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I should have though. That was, that was somebody else. Hey, gentlemen, tonight we're going to talk about something that we identified. Um, early in this podcast process as, as being a topic we definitely wanted to cover. And uh, I, I'm just so glad that we have a knowledgeable person in Doug Sarver, who I'll introduce in a little bit, as a part of this. So the topic tonight, and one that may cover a couple of podcasts, is conference realignment. And, um, you know, I would just like to give you guys an idea of really the first time that I've ever thought about um, conference placement and and what it meant to uh, you know the school that I was coaching at personally back in the 18 excuse me back in the 80s and 90s um, there was frequent conference realignment in southeast Wisconsin like at Wauwatosa East we were in four different conferences we went from the suburban to the north shore to the woodland and finally into the greater metro conference and all those conferences changed for us in a in 13 years. And it wasn't until I got into the Greater Metro Conference in 1997 that it even came up to me to think about conference placement and, and the decisions that go behind that. The, the conference at that time in 97, there were four Division I schools in the Greater Metro and four Division II. Wauwatosa East was a, the smallest member of the conference, and so we were in Division II. And again, I I never thought about like enrollment size, budgets, none of that stuff. Well, one year we went three and four, didn't make the playoffs. And I realized that we had 
lost to all four Division I programs in our conference, but had beaten the other three Division II programs in our conference. And it just struck me like, man, you know, so we don't make the Division II playoffs by losing to four Division I schools? It just didn't seem right to me. It didn't sit well. And ever since that moment, I, you know, it's sort of an epiphany. Ever since that moment, I've always kind of been sensitive to this conference realignment thing and what it means to certain schools. So I don't know if Tom or Paul have had any experiences like that in your coaching career where, you know, the the, the subject of, of what conference you're in and the realignment, you know, where you, you could look at it, how it's going to affect you personally. Have, have either of you done that before? I know with with our situation, we're kind of in a spot where there just aren't enough teams to play around us that are the same size. So we get grouped like, you know, right now we're with Baraboo and Reedsburg. We used to be with River Falls last year. Um, and we're in a spot where I, I understand and we all accept that it, it, our conference might be kind of fluid just depending on what people decide, you know, is the best, who are the best teams to put in there. Um so for right now, we're kind of in that spot where we don't really have too much of a say over over any of that because there were the only teams that are our size. They were not like Southeast Wisconsin where there's so many other teams. Um, now, if the lacrosse schools combine here, which might happen in the next three to four years, uh, then then they're going to have to do something else. So we're we're kind of always at the uh, I don't want to say the mercy of of the committee, but we're just we know that we don't have a lot of say in what what's going to happen, and and we're fine with that. Um, you know, Tom, both times I started my coaching career in the eighties and it was a different scenario. You know, the conference champ was the only one that went in there. And, and again, we're talking about some key issues. We're talking about playoffs. That's probably one of the main keys getting into the playoffs. And we're also talking about what's, what does equality mean? And eventually things have changed. Like I think Doug brought up the fact that 1996, we went to the different divisions um, and again, still the divisions, though, may have put you not in the right conference, but at least gave you a chance to compete on equal ground when you got into the playoffs. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a catch-all thing, because much like Tommy Shinsky, Mosin we were going to Ashland, um, because that was the only competition we could find our size. So you really have a lot of factors that I think over the weeks we'll talk about. What's your conference enrollment? What's equality? And then, like I was doing right now, you know, they're talking about a free and reduced lunch formula type thing. What is real equality? I'm sure it's a lot of topics we're going to get into, but I think if you go through the history, the elements have been that we've been trying to create equality with all schools. And with that as a backdrop, and with that being said, I think it's a great time to bring in our guest, um, Doug Sarver. Uh, Doug wears many hats at the moment. Uh he wears the hat of the past president and all-star game chairman for the WFCA. He's also um, an individual who led the the, the football-only conference committee from a few years ago for the WFCA. Doug is also a retired coach from St. Francis and is the current AD there and also is a WFCA Hall of Fame member. Doug, welcome. Good evening, guys. Welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Doug, give us some background on how you got the task of leading that football-only conference committee. How did you get involved in that? 
Well, I was fortunate or unfortunate, which way you look at it, and being the <laughs> president of the WFC at the time that the WIAA reached out to us uh, for this uh, opportunity. And can you give us just, you know, some of the other particulars, the other people, uh, members of this committee? Well, it was basically board, uh, some of the uh, executive board members, which would have been John Hoke from Lancaster, Jerry Hannock from, uh, uh forgot where he's up there, and uh, up in the Northwest somewhere. Elmwood. Elmwood, it? Elmwood that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and then uh, Tony Biolo from Wisconsin Rapids. Matt Hensler from uh, Lake Geneva Badger helped a little bit, uh, but that's basically our committee. And along with uh, we used Travis Wilson helped us in 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 digging up a lot of uh, information. So you had great representation from around the state. Yes, that was our goal: is to have somebody from uh, each part of the state. Yeah, I got a quick question for you, Doug. Was there ever a mission statement or underlying thing that you were trying to accomplish? Is there one or two goals that that committee set up that we want to accomplish? Yeah, let me let me uh, read you something real quick. And the reason I'm going to read this is because I'm so old I can't remember it. So I'll read it to you. And it really is what this is all about. And this is what we sent to. And when I presented to the Board of Control, this is what I uh, read to them. So again, it's titled Why Football Only Conferences. And I want to make the point that it's football only. We did, none of the other sports changed conferences. This was just for football only. Right now, there is no uniformity in the number of schools in the conferences. We have conferences of 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6s, and 5s. The number of conference games is all over the place, with some conferences having as few as four. Many of the schools are having trouble finding non-conference games, especially within reasonable travel distance. With so many closed conferences of 10s and 9s, it makes it very difficult in some areas to find non-conference games. The objective of the WFCA-WIAA partnership in forming a football-only model for 2020 is to bring uniformity to the number of schools per conference and the number of conference games played. With this, we will need to move some schools to get to the goal of seven or eight schools per conference. It has been our objective since the start that we try to keep as many conferences together as possible in reaching our goals. So that's part of what I presented to the Board of Control and the WIAA. That gives why we did it and what our objectives were. So to clarify, Doug, the initial conference realignment. The initial conference realignment was a partnership between the WFCA and the WIAA. And now from here on out, any realignment comes from the WIAA. Is that correct? That is correct. The WFCA has nobody on, there is no WFCA member on the WIAA task force. Now you got to understand the task force just doesn't uh, work for football only. It, it covers all sports and all realignments for all sports, including basketball, tennis, golf, whatever it might be. It's not just for football. So they have ADs and principals from all over the state. And Doug, even adding to what Tom just asked you, I mean, the, the WIA actually approached, approached the WFCA and asked them 
to get involved in this process, correct? That is correct. Wade Lebecki uh, approached us at a meeting and, and asked us um, our thoughts on trying to bring a little uniformity to the conferences in the state of Wisconsin as far as the, the numbers of schools in them. And we took on the project. If you were to pri prioritize the things that, that you wanted to accomplish with the football-only conferences, what would be maybe the top two or three things? You've already mentioned uniformity and conference size. What were some of the other things perhaps involved in the decision-making? Well, for number of conference games, because that was all over the place also. So you had teams that were getting in at three and two. You had teams that were getting in at five and four. You had teams getting in at nine and oh. You know, it's, it was all over the place. So what they, what the conference games only, with everybody having seven conference games, everybody was on the same plane as far as what the, what the number of games or the, uh, would get into the playoffs with four and three or three and four. And I think it still kind of remains that way today. So I'm, I'm just recapping here again, you know, one of the over goal, overriding goals of everything is to get into the playoffs. It's, it's been a driving force of almost all the realignment we've ever done. Um, and I, I wonder if maybe we're not thinking about this the right way. And I think those are other episodes, but obviously the number one goal of people looking at their new conference or the conference and can I make the playoffs? Yeah. That, and uh, Paul, the difference there is, and I want to, I want to stress this in what we, on the objective that we took from the WIA, it was not about conference relief. It was not about finding relief for schools that needed it. It was about getting conferences to seven or eight. And that was it uniformity. So again, I can read, I'll read you something that we, we had also when we presented to the, to the WIAA. The first draft had about 15% or 56 of 390 schools playing 11 man football to another conference of similar enrollment and geographic area. The WFC WIA has sought input from its members and will continue to look and tweak where needed before the model is ready to present. We hope to have a model ready to present at district reps meeting, July all-star game meeting, which you guys were probably at when we presented that model. Then again, the WIA procedures for an every two year review with requests for relief will be released with the 2020 model. WIA procedures will also be in place when conferences lose a school or schools to eight man football, co-op or schools that drop football. So that's kind of how the task force was then developed by the WIA. We did not have anything to do with developing the procedures once the football only uh, model was, was released. So Doug, you know, that's a lot of information and probably information that most coaches don't know. You know the, the the reasoning behind the football only conference, what led to that in the first place, and so on. And and I I know that the the committee looked at a bunch of plans. Like it wasn't just okay. This is the one plan. Like you said, you tweaked it. And that that last plan that was presented then in that July 
um, all-star game meeting to the board of directors, that, that last plan had how many schools unhappy with their placements? According to the ones that were unhappy that had reached out and, and contacted me, was about 6% of the schools. Now, there may have been more schools unhappy that didn't contact us, but of the schools that contacted, it, was, it came out to be about 6%. We went to the Board of Control meeting twice where schools could get up and, and uh, appeal or speak their mind. And there was maybe a dozen schools at that meeting. So there wasn't a lot of, at that time, widespread uh, unhappiness. And Doug, uh, just refreshing back in, in, in my memory, and then also just uh, putting this out there so everybody has heard it, and and competitiveness isn't something that should go into it, uh, whether you fit into a conference or not. It was about lo location, and are you the same size as these other schools, correct? Right. And here, and I can answer that even better, Tom, if I read read this last paragraph from, from what I gave to the WIA Board of Control. The objective given the WFCA from the WIAA was to bring statewide uniformity to football conferences, not to provide conference or school realignment relief. During the process, if an opportunity presented itself without dis disrupting the uniformity objective, the WFCA was able to provide some better situations. Procedures will be in place through the WIA to request realignment relief after the model is in place. And if you were to give a definition to relief, how, how did the WFCA, the WIAA define relief? Well, I, just our, the board, the executive board of WFCA was basically schools that we thought were on the brink of their programs disbanding because they couldn't compete anymore. And that's the way we feel today also. Yeah, and I, I think that was possibly a, a thing a lot of people did not realize that that was not a factor in what the WFCA did. A lot of people thought, oh, I'm in a conference I can't compete with. That This doesn't help me at all. And obviously, that wasn't the goal. Yeah, I took a lot of those phone calls, Paul. Yeah, exactly that. Looking for relief. And once I explained, you know, I, I will say this in all of the phone calls, in all of the emails that I got during the time during 2019, when we went through this, it was all professional. There was nobody that got out of hand. There was nobody that was um, out of line. Everybody was professional throughout the, the entire process, even if they were unhappy with us, even the ADs that surrounded me after the Board of Control meeting in Madison. They were all professional. And, and you had mentioned to me, Doug, that, and of course, we worked very closely with Wade Lebecki all those years when he was associate director. But you said to me that Wade was really happy with what the WFCA uh, committee you and the others that you mentioned before, he, he was really happy with the work that you guys had put into that. Well, we had done a few meetings, a few months of meetings before we met with Wade and turned over, turned into him what our uh, proposal was. So he met with us up, and I think we were in the Dells, I think, 
and we met with him. Uh, he came up to our hotel room and we handed him our uh, our formula and, and what we thought was we were going to go forward with. And he looked at it and studied it for a few minutes and this, he, he couldn't believe it. He says, you did the whole state? And I said, yes, we did the whole state. And if, you, if you're really able to look back at some of the, the conference breakdowns and stuff, most of them are similar enrollment, similar geographically. If they're not, they were that way beforehand. And some of the things that we did, and we highlighted a lot of things, a lot of teams that moved on, and we we would call those coaches, or they would call us, and and let us know uh, what they thought. Um, if we, like I said, if we could help them out and be able to follow the objective that we had, we did help some schools out. And if you go up into the green, you know, the Green Bay East, the Green Bay West, uh, the Sheboygans, I mean, we were able to within our objective give them a little better better opportunity that's just one of the examples well what happens is much like i know i know you happen once you solve one problem there's you might create other problems and i think i think no matter what we do i really think there's always going to be some issues with whatever you want to call it competitiveness equality i mean this is something you're probably going to have to look at conference realignment every two years for sure, which which obviously the WIA is doing right now. Yeah, I, I thought that um, one of our things right now it was, always was not to create more problems by solving one problem. And I thought we did a pretty good job of that. Right now, what they're going through right now, I don't think they're doing a good job of that. I think they're creating issues um, that weren't there before for other schools by so trying to solve problems for some of the ones that need relief. And, and that's going to happen. If you've got, you've got schools that need relief, you know, other than uh, making super, uh, super conferences, I don't know how you're going to resolve it. So Doug, explain to us now, and now, like we said before, the WFCA is not involved in con conference realignment anymore. Um, but explain to, to the general public how some of these new realignments happen. Like I know that as a coach, I'll get an email from my AD and say, hey, this proposal was brought forward. Um, it involves us and and I don't like have a vote on it or a say on it or anything like that, but they're just letting me know, hey, we're involved in this if it were to go through. How do those conference realignment things now take place with the WFCA out of the picture with only the WIA? Yeah, well, there's an online process for schools to apply for relief, conference realignment, and uh, they can do that, and they can they can bring up their own proposals, and and then the task force at the W 15 member task force that the WIA has will take a look at those requests and decide whether there's any um, uh, thing to them that that they feel um, should be looked at and continued. And if it's continued, it's moved on to now the, the uh, board of control for either yes or no vote in March. We are talking with Doug Sarver, athletic director at St. Francis, past president of the WFCA. We're talking specifically about a conference realignment and, and some of the history behind of what, what's happening right now with, with realignment. And Doug, I want to go back to something you said. You said about 6% of schools back for conference only 
football only conference, excuse me, were unhappy that, that you know of. You know, you're, you're talking less than 25 schools around the state. And I would say that um, what you guys put together was very successful if you have less than 25 schools in the state that are unhappy. Well, the one thing that I noticed, the schools that were applying for conference realignment now during this process were the schools that were unhappy when we did our realignment. So there's, they were still um, trying, they, they knew they had the two years that they had to wait. And then now they're, they're trying to get their realignment. Uh, and, and a lot of them, I understand, and that's for relief. They need relief. Like I said, if they're in trouble, and some of these, these schools are, if they're in trouble of losing their programs, then I'm all for them uh, finding another conference. But in, in, in what I asked, just hang on just a second, Paul. When we were up at the, and Tom, you were there, when we were up at the WIA meeting in, in November, end of November, we asked Melissa Gearing to come into the, to the room and explain to us what was going on with the realignment um, task force. And, and she did. And we asked her, the one thing that we were concerned about, that we said we were concerned about, was creating relief for schools and then creating other problems for other schools. We didn't want to see that. And uh, she was she understands that. And, and the one the other thing we were concerned about was multiple schools being affected when you only you need relief. Let's just use the southeast. They say you got three or four schools in the southeast that need relief. Why would you realign the entire southeast? It didn't make sense to me. And that's what some of those proposals had. The entire Southeast getting broke up. Tom, you've seen those. Oh, yeah. 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 And up in the Fox Valley, the same thing. They basically realigned that whole Fox Valley for a few schools. And in the North. That's what, that's what we didn't want to happen. In the North, the Wisconsin Valley is the one that was affected. The You know, they're now going with the big rivers, uh, really, because one school, Wasa East, is going to the Great Northern Conference. And that was over relief. So my initial question was, you're pretty confident to say that the 25 schools, it was really about relief. Either we get into a conference where we can compete or football is done. Yeah, in that I understood. And where we could help them, we did. But that wasn't our objective. So, like, we have Cudahy, Pius, and West Dallas Central down here in, in my my area. And all three of them need relief, or they're going to their their programs are going to fold. I understand that, and we support anything that can provide them relief as long as it doesn't create problems for other schools. We'll be back in two years asking for relief themselves. So it's a it's a very touchy subject. It's difficult. Um, I think I don't know if you guys are aware that. Um, when they did really, uh, they did come up with a plan down here that's going to the Board of Control in March. They moved Pewaukee into the Classic Eight, and it, same day they moved Pewaukee into the Classic Eight, I got I received a letter from the Pewaukee head coach, as did Dan Brutter. And the WFSA has nothing that they can do about that for them. You know, there's there's people out there that still think that we have something to do with conference realignment, and we do not. 
Yeah, I, I saw that. He actually sent that that email to all of the executive board members, uh, Justin Frisky, their coach, and um, very eloquently stated P- Pewaukee's position on going into the Classic Eight. Now, here's a school of 860 being put into a conference that has Arrowhead that's almost 2,200, you know, and you got Oconomowoc and Muskego and, and – uh, uh, McGuanagall all in the 1600 range, you know, doubling, almost tripling their size. And one of the things that probably made it easy for that to happen was a success that Pewaukee has had. And, you know, and I don't want to put words in Justin's mouth, but he felt like their success that they've had worked against them. And that was why they were put into that conference. And I, you know, I haven't talked to Justin personally. I, I, I you know, I have no say anyway, but, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that's happening now. And, and, and really backing up, Doug, what you've said that, you know, you move, you, you solve one problem and you create another problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to stay away from that. And and one of the other things that bothers me a little bit now and others in, on our board, our board, our uh, board is that. Yeah. You have non-football people making football conference decisions, and it's always not going to turn out very well. You know, and down here you have a ta- four task force members that were involved in uh, coming up with the the plan for the board of control on the southeastern realignment, and one of those members doesn't even have football at their school. So what I've been hearing now, and I hope it's true, is that they're going to put a task force together just for football-only realignment. And if they do that, I think that you'll see better results. Yeah, speaking to the Pewaukee one, I had talked to Coach Frisky about that, and I I said, Justin, you guys could go 2-7 and or 3-6, and and still have a team that could win Division Three or be at the Division Three state title game, just because that Classic Eight is so strong. So, you know that's that's the thing. Like Doug, you talked about, um, you can't you can't base one year, two year, three years of success. Uh, a team has a really good group of kids come through, whatever it is. Well, we're going to move them into the toughest division in this or th- toughest conference in the state, and and now the next four, five, six years of kids have a bad experience until they can get transferred out of there. Uh, it's just not a fair thing in my mind to do that to a school that's three times smaller than a lot of those other schools. Yeah, that's, why, that's why you've got people, that's why you have people pushing all play. They think that that's going to take care of conference realignment and people looking for relief because they can drop down into a division that they can compete at. But not all of these schools um, that are struggling are lower enrollment schools. There are schools with, that would not drop down the division. They're going to compete in the same division that uh, they play in in their conference. So I don't know if that works either. And all play is, is a whole nother show for you guys. So we'll kind of stay off of that. <laughs> well, I think yeah. you got it both ways, guys. You know, like Wasa East went into the GNC. They're, they dropped their varsity program in the Wisconsin Valley. They're going to play Division Three schools and go Division Two. 
you know, I, I think it's both ways. And, and sometimes it can help you, something can hurt you. But bottom line is most people are looking at, can I make the playoffs? Can I make the playoffs consistently in their conference? And, and I don't know if that's always the right approach to take to this. But it's the thing that, that gets people thinking about it in the first place. You know, I mean, it is about making the playoffs and, and, you know, was mentioned for, for years, conference champs went, you know, only conference. Champ. Well, when they first started the playoffs, yep. you could be a conference <laughs> champ and not make the playoffs, you know? And it, I remember being, you know, a head coach when we went to the model of having a, a conference a winning conference record is the thing you need now to get into the playoffs. So you expanded from two to four or even more, I suppose, in, in, in some conferences you could have more with winning records that would make the playoffs. And the discussion at that time was, boy, how is a team that, you know, finishes four and three, I mean, do they really think they're going to do well in the playoffs? Right. And now you're having the, the you know, again, we're not going to expand on it tonight, but you know, having all play, I mean, a two and 17, you know, how are they going to do in the playoffs, you know, with all play? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just funny how things change through the years and it's about opportunity and there's probably no one way to do it. That's going to please everybody. So Doug, how, how does the impact of eight man football change some of the things that you guys have that worked on, in 2019 with football only conferences. I mean, what, what has changed? What is, what has had to change because of the influx of teams going to eight man football? Well, first the eight man football has, you know, several years ago there, there was a lot of schools that just were not going to play eight man football. They, they refused to play eight man football. Well, that's changing now. Uh, they have an all-star game. They have an all state team. They have a state championship. So that has changed a lot of minds in eight-man football. So you're going to find a lot of schools now being more uh, willing to go to eight-man football. So what happens then is there's a domino effect. So you start getting these teams out of the conferences, and it's usually in the smaller schools part of the state where they start going to eight-man football. And that now we got to start, again, realigning conferences and maybe bringing conferences and putting a couple together. And that's where it ends up. And, and we knew that that was going to happen. Uh, we knew that eight-man football was going to grow. But at some point here, I think soon, in the next year or two, it's going gonna, it's gonna to steady off. And eight-man football won't be getting that many teams in. And in fact, you might see teams going back to 11-man after they grow their programs a little bit. So, um, again, it, it does create a domino effect because once they – they leave a conference, they have to replace those teams in a conference and they have to either put te conferences together or take teams from other conferences and, and, and make that conference. So then it just creates that domino effect all over the state. Kind of kind of sort of like um, when Sun Prairie's new school opened up, you know, Tom, that that affected your conference. And the domino effect there was felt pretty much across the state in one way or another. And, and move some teams and, and had some some schools not happy with the moves. And and that's just that's kind of the domino effect that that eight man has also. Tom, do you want to expand on what happened with your conference with the Sun Prairie situation? 
Yeah, when Sun Prairie, it was a combination of two things. One, Sun Prairie opened a new school, which created uh, too many teams in one conference in the in their area. Um, two, at the same time, River Falls was was put in our conference for 2020 and then 2021. Obviously, 2020 that season didn't really happen the way it was supposed to. Um, they wanted out. They wanted back in the big rivers. Um, so the way it worked was that River Falls went back to the big rivers, um, which then impacted, this is what Doug's talking about, the chain reaction here, which then impacted Rice Lake, which Rice Lake went to the middle borders. Um, New Richmond was moved to the big rivers as well because their size was uh, ever growing and they were getting up over a thousand. Uh, so then in order to make ours a eight team conference, like everybody was shooting for, they brought Reedsburg and Baraboo to our conference, um, which for them, for both of them is around a two hour drive, uh, which, which is not ideal when everybody else in the conference is within 35 minutes of each other. Um, you know, so I, I get it, you know, the Ashlands of the world, the, the schools like that are saying two hours, no big deal. We do that every week. But when Baraboo and Reedsburg were used to playing Portage, Sauk Prairie, and, and everybody in the Badger, it's quite a shift in in travel and uh, lower level games. Really, is probably the bigger conversation than the than the varsity games. Obviously, the varsity games matter. But when you're sending a freshman team on a Thursday or a JV team on a Monday, um, then the school part of it comes into play a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so that's what happened with us, and when when that all went down. Paul? Speaking of that, how how important is geographical differences? Because I'll tell you, if you look at the playoffs last year, that was not an issue. I mean, there were teams traveling across the state. So, I mean, is that still talked about that we just don't want to see these long geographical rides? Is, is that the case? Well, it's talked about. My experience, and Doug, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been a part of these meetings as well. It seems to be more of an issue for administrators than it is for football coaches. I mean, a football coach, I mean, how often, Doug, have we brought up, you know, seeding 16 teams rather than eight? And what what comes back is, well, you're going to have some teams going three or four hours for a playoff game. And the coaches don't mind. You know, they think seeding 16 teams for the playoffs, you know, having two divisions of 16 yeah. versus four of eight makes a lot more sense in in dividing up, you know, a top-heavy bracket and, and not having those teams play so early, perhaps. But it's the administrators. And, Doug, you're an administrator. So, you know, what yeah, would you I think, say to I that? I think the administrators that they're talking about are superintendents and, and principals. Um, that's the answer we get from them every time that we bring it up, is that the you've got to get the superintendents to change their minds. Those are the ones that are against the travel. Um, it, it just, um, you know, once they got, went from the playoffs and they got off that Tuesday night, first round playoff game, you guys remember that, right? Oh God. Yes. So once they got off that Tuesdays and everything became Friday or Saturday, uh, there was, you know, travel should not have been, uh, one of the main focuses, but it remains still to this day. And once we, <clears throat> once we lost that, the, the schools you know, we always try to avoid, you avoided a school from your same conference in the first round. And now you're going to be, sometimes you're playing conference schools first two rounds, maybe even in the third round. 
in some situations because they're keeping everybody pretty regionally in some areas. So there's a lot of uh, back and forth on that. I know Tony Viola brings it up every year, and he'll continue to bring it up every year until he gets it passed. Yeah, guys, in 2009, we went to Ashland on a Tuesday night, um, you know, 178 miles. And I'm looking at the playoffs this year. Menasha went to, like, I think, Baraboo. And some schools went all the way across. I think somebody went all the way to Hudson. And so I, I'm kind of confused because sometimes it's an issue and sometimes it's not an issue. And I really think we need to start thinking what are our objectives and keep them our objectives. Yeah, and yeah. I think, again, there, there's where all play comes back into the equation. If you have all play, it's going to keep a lot, uh, you know, games a lot closer. Um, but again, you're going to play more conference opponents again. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm someone who doesn't like to play another conference opponent in the playoffs. I'd rather well, I'm, I'm, different. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. I uh, and I've sat in those old seating meetings where you know, wasn't computer generated like it is now. And boy, you know, I don't even want to tell you how many times I was in a seating meeting with four teams from the North shore conference and Brookfield East and Brookfield central were the only two teams from the greater Metro. And you could just see how, you know, things are being worked in a way that the North shore teams wouldn't play each other the first round. You know, that sounds terrible to say, but I really believe that was happening. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, Doug. I, I, I would have liked at least that first game, certainly, and possibly even the second game, try to avoid. And years ago, that was one of the factors. You you weren't allowed to play a conference opponent in the first round. Yeah, that's, right. when, they, that's when the WIA seeded it. And uh, when they said the coaches conceded, they took that away. Well, gentlemen, we're starting to wind down here on, on the podcast to stay within our, our, our time limit. And um, I'm just wondering if if Tom and Paul, we, we've talked a little bit about Southeast Wisconsin. I'm wondering if, if you guys have um, the ability now to sort of report out what you know in your areas of the state um, with which uh, what is with what is happening with the the uh, realignment stuff. Um Tom, is there anything that that has come to your attention that is really on the minds of coaches? You know, so luckily we are one of the few teams that wasn't affected in the latest conference realignment um, projection. Um, and that that gets voted on here pretty soon, as Doug was saying. So that that's not final by any means. Uh but I, I do speak, I don't I shouldn't say I speak for. I, I have heard from other coaches that would advocate for the all play method uh, like Doug's talking about because of the, what it does in terms of it just prevents all the shuffling all the time. Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll do an episode, talk more about all play. I see both sides of it. I really like that. It's special for us to earn our way into the playoffs. I think that's a special thing, uh, but I do understand that as eight man gets more prevalent, which I think is a good thing in a lot of aspects. Uh, as that gets more prevalent, it's going to make it a lot dif more difficult for these schools to to have the, the correct conferences without the travel. So uh, it's it's not an easy thing, and everybody wants to win, and everybody wants to be in a position where you are set up to be successful. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to make everybody happy with this, and uh, it, it it is it's just a really tough thing to get it right every time that we do any sort of realignment. 
Paul, you got anything? In the North, we really, eight-man football is dominating. It's eliminating most Division Seven and some six teams. Um, but really, we've had two conferences in the latest proposal that are kind of being disbanded, the Wisconsin Valley and the Merrillwood. Uh, the Merrillwood was a disaster last year. There were only four teams in the Merrillwood, and they forced the Central Wisconsin small to play these teams in a crossover that counted for the playoffs. And it really hurt the smaller schools uh, than the Merrillwood schools. So there are some coaches that are really upset that their conferences are being disbanded. They feel like Doug said, you're hurting us to help other people. And um, that that's a real hot topic. Yeah. And Doug, you and I come from an era where we're both about the same age, you know, and we've coached about the same length of time. And then I go back to what I started with, you know, back in the eighties the and nineties, like, and I can only speak to uh, Southeast Wisconsin with all the conference realignments that were going on. There, there just wasn't this, the kind of outrage or the, the kind of questions that were being asked that are being asked now. And I really believe in part it's because of, you know, when they expanded the playoffs to be more than, you know, two teams in a conference and people got a taste of that. Then I think people started to say, hey, this is pretty cool and I would like to be in the playoffs every single year. You know, and I think the reason there wasn't back in the 80s and 90s, I don't think there was, you know, that that sort of thinking going on because it was so difficult to get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, we will have to do uh, all play at some point in, in the future and, and really examine that. Um, Doug, thank you so much. Do you have any, you know, final words here? Yeah, I, I just would say that um, when eight, when until eight man kind of steadies off, you're going to continue to see quite a bit of realignment um, every two years in football. And um, I think that eight man will kind of steady down in, in, in the near future. But uh, until that happens, you know, they're going to be realigning teams that are going to schools are going to be asking for relief. And um, it'll be an interesting every two years. Um, see what happens. It's going to be interesting this March to see what the board of control does with some of that. My experience with the board of control is if the WIA wants it, that's what's going to happen. And um, I, but uh, this year I see that Pewaukee does have a, a, a good argument about their case. And I could see the board of control sending it back to committee to redo. And then would there be a timeline for that, Doug? Like if, if they decide in March, no, Pewaukee is not going to the Classic Eight, would they have somebody in mind already in March that would replace them? Or would they start over again? Well, in the in the other years, they, the Board of Control could have amended it right there at the meeting. But now they have this task force that can do it for them. So I would think that they would do that before the next Board of Control meeting in April. Great. Well, Doug, thank you so much. I We all appreciate the time that you give us. And, and, and like uh, you, you have helped me out uh, so often through the years and, and been so given of your giving of your time. Um, I really appreciate that. And again, you know, I, I have super co-hosts with this. Uh, as I said before, uh, Tom and Paul, they're the brains of the operation and they're the ones that make sure this stuff works. Paul, thank you. Tom, thank you. Um, 
we will be getting another podcast together very soon. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any comments or you have any suggestions, don't uh, be afraid to reach out to Paul, Tom, or myself and, and let us know what's going on. And uh, we will get back to you. We promise you that. With that being said, good night, everyone. And uh, we'll get together soon again. So I'll tell Paul, we'll see you soon. I'll talk to you soon about the All-Star meetings. Yeah, March 26th, we're all set. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll connect with you there. And uh, Tom, run for a position on the executive board. Sounds good. I'm going to put that in. Thank you. All right. All righty. We'll see you guys later.